book of Daniel chapter 10 and verse 18 which speaks about the prince of Persia. Basically there's a common understanding about this as to who the prince of Persia is. I did mention to us before in the course of the studies that we have angelic hosts or courtiers that watches over all nations. I'm sure you can remember that. Yes. All right. Um, commonly as well, there's it believe much more that uh, uh, the Prince of Persia is more or less the devil that controls that nation, which is Persia. Okay, we want to look at a few things this evening to find out from the word of God what this has to say. Okay, so I want us to first of all define the word princess or prince and then we'll find applications from the word. Hallelujah. Uh, so we'll look at the word prince. For instance, in the book of Number, prince or princess of this world. Let's look at the word princess of this world. But let me quickly define this prince. In the book of Numbers, chapter 16, verse 12, the Bible says, Moses sent to call Dalton and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. Amen? Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Now, what I want you to know is the word prince. You keep acting like a prince over us. And so primarily, you find that the word here applies to Moses, which has to do with whoever, by implication, what he was saying is, you want to continuously head us. Are you there? You want to continuously lead us. So the leader is often referred to as Prince. And um, maybe time will permit you, you see that as well in the book of Acts. You remember the Bible talks about by the predetermined counsel of God, you kill the prince of life. Have you noticed that? Referring to Jesus Christ. Fine. So, prince is not dealing basically and all the time, let me use the word, with demons. It's talking about people. Amen. Uh, when the Bible says Jesus is the prince of life, it means he's the author of life, but a human being that gives life through his sacrifice. Is that all right? So here Moses is being referred to as the prince. And so these two guys are saying, man, you can continue to be prince over us. In other words, you can continue to be source of our head or leadership. Hallelujah. And this definition will make you understand that when you talk about principalities and powers, maybe we'll deal with that next week, it's not also basically dealing with demons. Amen? A principality is a governing authority. Just like in secondary school, you talk about principal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk about principal of secondary school doesn't make him a demon. But he's a ruler. He's the head. Is that all right? So when you say principalities and powers, you also, maybe we'll do more with that next week, but look at what the scripture says. All power belongs to God. And then it says, 
pray for the powers that be or the government that be is a part of because there's no power that be except that. You understand that? Now he wasn't talking about demons. So when you say principalities and powers, your mind will not always be referring to demonic operations. It's, it has to be people. People occupying position and most often in relation to that which God himself is doing. Praise the Lord. But you see, these prince or the powers, as we were referring to, they have authority. Uh, measure of authority, if you will. Okay, so exactly from us here. They acting like a prince over us. Now they're referring to Moses. Is that okay? All right. Now look at 1 Corinthians 2. I will read from verse 1 to 8. I mean, verse 7 to 8, as the case may be. Look at this. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have the crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. The princes of this world, I want you to understand the word prince. Because we are, dealing, we are coming to deal with the issue of prince of patience. So the question is, which prince of this war killed Jesus? Hallelujah. Was it demons? No, that's a problem. Because anytime you say prince, principalities, your mind just go to devils, your mind just go, no. Prince of this war, I'm going to use scriptures to define who the princes were that killed Jesus. It was not a devil that hung him on the cross. There were people. <laughs> Are you still there? And so that tells you precisely that when we're dealing with princes or prince, we're not just dealing with uh, spiritual entities. We're dealing with people functioning in certain capacities within the society of men. Praise the Lord. Is this one okay there? We're talking about the princes of this world. Now I'm going to define the whole world because sometimes when you look at the princes of this world, the common understanding is uh, we're looking at the world as it is. Princes. Let me first define this word. It's important. The Greek word there is anchor, or anchor, a force in rank or power. Chief ruler, magistrate, prince, ruler. A ruler from Sarah or Sarah to rule. Hence you have Caesar. Tsar or Tsar as the case may be. Caesar. Ruler. Hmm? All these titles come from the word prince. The word Tsar, T S A R, or C Z A R, or Caesar. You see, the pick from this place here, S A R, Tsar, Caesar. Are you following this? And the root word actually means to rule. Or to be the first in rank or a magistrate. Hallelujah. But in the king, I mean, in the book of Daniel, it is commonly referred to as simply what? Prince. But it is same word, which means rule. So remember what we read in, in the book of Corinthians then. The princess of this world. And then automatically you can translate it to be the rulers of this world. 
those who killed Jesus were the rulers of this world. Not demons. Alright. Now the word world like we read in the book of Corinthians there is eon. Which means an age. So here we are dealing with the rulers of an age and not the global universe. I want you to understand that because if you put you in a perfect place to understand what Paul was trying to say from 1 Corinthians 2. When he said the princess of this world, it means the rulers of this age. Is that okay? Alright. So if you look at it from the rulers of this age, then the first thing you're going to be looking for, what age was he talking about? He rightly said the rulers of the age killed him. Is that alright? So what age was it? Is it now or before this time around? And that will begin to make you see the dispensational work of God. So the princess of this world that Paul was writing about has to do with those who were living at his time. Who put in place the execution of Jesus Christ. It was the people he was talking about. Hallelujah. Are you following it? Okay. So that's the world, the age. It's not talking about the globe. Because often we say the prince of this world. How many of you have listened to that? When you say the prince of this world, what do you mean? Oh, talking about the devil that is ruling around the whole place. No, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about that. Amen? There's a need for you to think that systematically you look at certain things. Often and again, that a thing is popular or commonly accepted by everybody doesn't make it true. Is that alright? It doesn't make it true. Okay. So let's still pursue this a little bit and then you can understand. Let's begin to find out the princess of this world that killed Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Luke 23 and verse 34. And then we'll go to chapter 7 and see. So we're going to find who the princess were that killed Jesus. Praise the Lord. Look at Luke 23. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. I want you to know the word them. For they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment are cast lots. This was at the time of crucifixion. Remember that? Okay. John 7. And let's look at 45 down to 48. John 7. We're defining the prince of this world. John 7. Praise the Lord. Are we there in John 7? I need to, you need to look into your scriptures. So there are things you need to mark out there. Then came the officers to the chief priests. And the Pharisees. I would like you to mark the chief priests and Pharisees. And they said unto them. Now if you look at Luke 23. He said. Father forgive them. Are you there with me? Father forgive them. Now. Then came the officers of the chief priests and Pharisees. And said unto them. That means it was the chief priests and the Pharisees. That sent the officers. Does it make sense? To go and do what? Arrest Jesus. Okay. So I want you to mark. 
see, see, I have already told you, you can track scriptures. If you look at Luke 23, 34, you can see them. You put your something there. Now, if you look at John 7, that 45 now, you can see that a them is referring to the same them that Jesus prayed for. Father, forgive them. The people returned and reported to them. Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never a man speak like this man. They answered them, the Pharisees, that is the officers now. Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? Who are the princes now? The rulers and the Pharisees who didn't believe in him. Did you follow the picture? Officers were sent to go and get him arrested. They came to report. And then the question is, what is wrong with you? The rulers. Now, can we, can we in a moment go back to, can you get that? The princess of this world. Hallelujah. Are you getting any, any connection there? The princess of this world. Okay? Say, which none of the princes of this world knew? For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Is that okay? Alright. So where are we now? Verse 47. They answered in the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Had any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? Here clearly the bunch of the Pharisees is the rulers or princes of the age in question. Hallelujah. Do you follow what I'm saying here? Now I'm trying to define for you verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 2. Where he says, which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it, they would not have crucified a lot of glory. Is that okay? Now the people that crucified him are the people that didn't believe in him. Now who were the people that didn't truly believe in him? The rulers and the Pharisees. Okay. Praise the Lord. I just pray you follow this. Alright. So, the Pharisees and the rulers are princes of the age in question are the people that crucified Jesus. Now let's turn to John 12 and verse 42. John 12 verse 42. Praise God. This is what he says. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Let it be pulled out of the synagogue. <laughs> and that's what religious religion can do. Now, I don't know what these guys were, I don't know what their problem was. If they truly believed, the scripture said they believed. But for the fear of the Pharisees, that made the strongest sect that really stood to crucify Jesus were the Pharisees. Is that all right? And now, why do you think Paul called them princes? That is why sometimes we read the Bible. If you don't read it with the mind of clear understanding, you misapply the scriptures and you get more confused. And sometimes your target, your shooting may be different from the target you ought to supposed to be shooting. Now, if we understand this and go back to 1 Corinthians 2 verse number 8, we will just know when Paul said, the princess of this world simply means the Pharisees. 
who stood to crucify Jesus did not know that he was the Lord of glory. Why? Because they didn't believe. They have never believed. Hallelujah. And again, what he said, if they had known, they wouldn't have. No, because the death of Jesus brought forth a greater glory than even when he was alive. So if the Pharisees had known that if we kill this man, something greater will come out of the death, they wouldn't have done it. That's what Paul is saying. Hallelujah. Are you picking it? Now I want, you, I want to shift your mind a little bit from the common thinking about the application of the word princess. And sometimes we have read that to me, wow, the princess made the devil kill Jesus. Devil never killed Jesus. If I thought devil killed Jesus, he killed him through a people. Is that all right? And then if it was a, just one man, for instance, that Paul was referring to, so you wouldn't use the word plural. The princess of this world. They say the prince. The princess of this world, the Bible says. Did you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Please understand it. All right. So let's progress a little bit. Who crucified Jesus? Let's look at John 19. Hallelujah. John 19, we read from verse 12 to verse 16. And the Bible says, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king, speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore had that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down at the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabata. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Which people did that? The Jews, the Pharisees, and the leaders of the Jews. Did you get this now? Now, why will Paul continue to refer to them as, as, as princes? Because they were the people that were in charge. When I use the word charge, they were controlling the masses of the people. The Pharisees were the strongest sect at that time when Jesus was alive. And the people that really opposed him to his face, if I may use the word, stood against everything he was doing were they actually the Pharisees and then the, the seducers, which are the seducers. Hallelujah. Uh, that name sounds like Seduza, no? <laughs> Seduces. These are the two major groups of people that really oppose him. But they were the, they were the rulers. <clears throat> it was out of their sect that all these springs, all these people were coming up and determining what should be done and what should not be done. Are we following here? All right. Okay. So already we see here that the people that crucified Jesus were actually the Jews. Uh, basically, leadership chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. But basically the Pharisees. They were the strongest set. Really opposed him. Hallelujah. And so, again, don't you forget what we're looking at. Cast your mind back to the definition of the word prince. And so, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8 says, if they had known the prince of this world, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, what we mean to say, if the Jews themselves have known, the Pharisees have known, if the rulers of the synagogues have known that if they dare crucify Jesus, a greater glory will come that even bringing the Gentiles to the place of glory, they would not have done it. And so when Jesus prayed in Luke 24 and said, 
23, 24. So, Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. Specifically, say, look, they are blinded to the fact that my death will bring forth a greater glory. Do you understand this? Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Let's look at something here in Act 3. Now, Peter was speaking in Act 3, verse 13 to 14, then to 15. Let's look at it. The definition of the word prince. Hallelujah. Then, the God of Abraham, or Peter is speaking. Are you there in your Bible? Because there are things you need to mark to assist you in understanding. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Did you get that? Who are the people that said Pilate should not let him go? The Jews, the Pharisees, the rulers. Is that all right? But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired the murder to be granted unto you. Speaking to the Jews. And what happened? Kill the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. Praise the living God. That again is the application of the word prince. In relation to Jesus. So when he said the prince of life, what does that mean? The author of life. The giver of life. Am I right? I want you to still understand the application of the word prince. As used in the scriptures. So here, the prince of life is referring to Jesus. Which simply means he's the author of life. He's the giver of life. Praise the Lord. I have come that you may have life and to have it more abundantly, he said. Amen? Alright, let's move on. Now I'm going to be showing you the application of this word in relation to satanic oppression. And here you will find it in Ephesians 2. Verse 1 and 2. And yet had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, the prince of the power of the air has something to do. That's why it's a prince. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So it's not an entity floating outside of a people. Did you get that? The operational uh, a mandate or the operational how do I put it? The mode with which satanic influences operate is through a people. So whether you take it to be a spirit, it's still going to flow through a human being. Are you following this? So just like you have Jesus to be the prince of life, he gives life to people, people live out his life. Also you can see the devil to be an agent or as, it, as the case may be that walks through a people. Not just that. So here we find that this talking about satanic realm of authority but functioning through a people. Are we together? Alright. Just doing all of this so that we get to the main issue, which is Daniel chapter 10 and then verse 13. We're looking at the Prince of Patience. Daniel 10, 13. And now, uh, somebody was talking here, if you look at the story, by the Prince of Patience, who stood me one and 21 days. And uh, I'm going to make you see that much later. The Prince of Patience, who stood me one and 21 days, speaking about 
angel Gabriel. Is that all right? There are two angels in the Bible that is properly mentioned. And that is angel Gabriel and angel Michael. I didn't see angel Joseph or angel whatever. It's angel Gabriel and angel Michael. These are two angels the Bible makes reference to in the Bible. I mean, the word. Ah. Um, on the case of angel Michael, is more or less a messenger from the throne room of God. I told you about the courtiers the other time. Remember that? The watchers who sit by the throne of the Father. Because if you remember that, as we keep on reading, you're going to find that even in the book of Luke, he said, I am angel Gabriel that stands in the presence of the Lord. Have you remember that? When he came to deliver a message to Zacharias. You remember this story? Okay, fine. So, anytime this angel showed up, he comes with a message. Angel Gabriel. So it's Angel Gabriel I was talking now. Now speaking to Daniel. Is that okay? Who was praying and fasting. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now note it. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. Who stood me. Uh, one and twenty days. But Lord Michael. One of the chief princes. Can you see this picture again? Came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, I want to give some understanding to this. The prince of Persia will told me, it will be out of place to maintain that either a good or an evil angel is intended here. Very much out of place. And I'm going to make my point clear. Hallelujah. Is that okay? The prince of Persia, basically, is neither an evil or a good angel. Neither an evil spirit nor a good spirit. I'm going to make you see. The prince of Persia is simply King Cyrus. Now make you see what is happening here. Hallelujah. Cyrus the Lord was definitely the prince of Persia and God had destined him to be the deliverer of his people. But there were some issues not clearly stated here why he was hesitating to do so for some time. Maybe the greatness of the work and not being fully satisfied of his ability to execute it. He therefore for a time resisted the secret mission which God has sent him. Hallelujah. If you, if you take time, like we're going to find much later. If you take time to read your book in Isaiah 44. 26 to 28. You're definitely going to see that God ordained Cyrus, like you find in Isaiah 45, my anointed one. Remember that? He ordained Cyrus for three major reasons or assignment. One, get the people out of captivity. Two, build the walls of Jerusalem. Three, build the temple. Basically, Cyrus was not disposed to the building of the temple. Now, if the temple is not in place, it seems Israel can't even return because they will have no place to worship their God. Hallelujah. Come on, are you following what I'm saying here? Alright. Now, if you look at Isaiah 44, 26 to 28, you see what I'm saying clearly there. The very assignment that God gave to Cyrus. But Cyrus was hesitating to carry out this assignment. And that would simply mean the Jews will not return because now, let me give you another simple picture about this. That looked like an 
evangelic mission. I told you here some time ago in the book of Luke, if you look at it very critically, without King Herod, there wouldn't have been the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Did you understand what I'm saying now? Good. Now, do you think it was just a desire of Herod to make that decree? It was motivated behind the scene by God to bring his prophecy to come to pass. Because even if a prophet has stood up and said, God said the Lord, the Savior will be born in Bethlehem, nobody will listen. Nobody will listen. Are you following this now? Now, until Cyrus made the decree for the return of the Jews, the building of the temple, and the building of the walls of Jerusalem, nobody will act. And the prayer of Daniel was to have this done. Because how would they come back? Is it 70 years, therefore you have to come back. Are you getting this? They can't come back until those things are in place and somebody must be responsible to bring it to pass. Now you find that Cyrus have to make a decree. So, it's like from behind the scene, God was working on this guy, but there was a resistance. Hallelujah. Are you getting the picture here? It took Cyrus to deliver the people to build the temple and to build the walls of Jerusalem. Now, if Cyrus will not move, every prayer that Daniel seems to be praying amounts to nothing. Just like even if you know the book that Jesus must be born in Bethlehem, without Herod, that prophecy will never come to pass. Did you get this? Hallelujah. The main opposition, therefore, might be in the reference to the building of the temple. Cyrus seems not to be willing to build the temple that was falling down, which also required the return of the Jews from their exile. It was not within. Now, it's like Jesus had to come to inspire him. Okay, let me use the word, the negative word this time. He came to instigate him to make a decree. Hallelujah. Is anybody following this? Hallelujah. So, because you see, if you read the book of Daniel, other than seeing the prince of Persia, you're also going to see the prince of Grisha. How many of you notice that? Maybe you don't take time to read. You had the prince of Persia, you have the prince of Grisha. The prince of Grisha was Alexander the Great. Who also must be taken out of the way by the same assignment for Persia to conquer Greece. Are you following this? Hey, and I'm confusing so many of you now. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. I'm going to make you see that because Daniel also mentioned the prince of Grecia, which has to do with the prince of Greece. Now, you see, you have Babylon, Greece, Medopatia, and so on and so forth. Remember that? Okay, fine. All right. So Sarah seems not to be willing, like I said, to build a temple that was falling down, which also required the return of the Jews from their exile. Now, Daniel chapter 10, verse number 8. Let's look at something here. Daniel was speaking as it were. Then there came again and taught me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. And said, O man greatly beloved, fear not be May peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. When God speaks, strength will become. Amen. We receive strength when he speaks. 
Then said he, knowest thou therefore I have come unto thee. Do you know why I came to you? And I will now return to fight with the prince of Asia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Gracia shall come. But I will show thee that that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things. But Michael, your prince. See, Gabriel is speaking. I have this assignment to deliver. To cause Cyrus to do this. But it's not willing. And uh, your prince, which has to do Michael, which means who is like God, have to come and assist me. Are you going to end this? By convincing, let me use the word, impressing, urging, persuading Cyrus to take up the assignment. So Gabriel is saying, when I finish with you now, in delivering this, even as angel, or the Michael is coming to assist me, I'm going again to the prince of Gracia. I also have an assignment for him. In other words, all the kings, get the scripture right. God removes one king and puts another one. Are you getting the picture? <laughs> there is no power that be. So here he is talking about these two kings, which are to do with the prince of Pesha and the prince of Gracia. I'm removing this. I'm causing this to do this. And like we read in the book of Isaiah, it equally even referred to uh, Cyrus as my shepherd. You remember that? Good. That means Cyrus to God was a pastor. And why was he a pastor? Because the Jewish people were his sheep of his pasture. Is that okay? And he has to have a, a shepherd over them. And that's why he's called the anointed one. If you will. Now, every anointed person has an assignment to carry out. Is that okay? Good. So now, Cyrus himself did not know that God, now that was the major problem with Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't know, he forgot to realize that it was God that gave him the kingdom. And he simply said, here is a kingdom that I built by my own self. Things like that. Is that okay? And so Cyrus himself was raised to do this particular assignment and here was God telling him, this is what I want you to do. But somewhere along the line, one cannot say precisely, he seems not to be willing Maybe he never understood precisely what he was supposed to do. And that's one of the major problems we can also have until I believe Jesus intervenes in our life. God may be giving us specific assignment or career, but sometimes somewhere along the line, we will not be willing until we hear that voice again. Praise the Lord. And I'm beginning to think that most often, any time God wants to really commission you, in Gabriel must show up. I don't know. Because I can find him in all of these instances, right from the birth of John the Baptist. He shows up from the throne room. Amen. Are we together? All right. So here we go. Uh, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scriptures of truth. Now remember what is noted in the scriptures of truth is also connected to the 70 years in captivity. Is that okay? All right. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. In other words, the man that is standing to assist me to see that these prophecies and your prayers that answer is Jesus Christ himself. Praise the living God. Are you getting what I'm saying here? All right. Now, you know, I did ask this question sometime. If we think commonly as we have always believed that this is a demon that was stopping. Angel Gabriel. I wonder what kind of Gabriel he was. 
No, I'm just being honest. How can God who said, I'm going to break the brass before you, I'm going to break. How can God send an angel a message and one demon will stop him from executing the message for 21 days? How could that be? By implication, inevitably, we are saying that the prince of Pesha, which was supposed to be a demon in our common belief, is stronger than Angel Gabriel. But to me, that can be true. Does it make sense? God is always God. And what with God is always majority. So if he sent an angel, hey, was it not the same angel that spoke to Zachariah and said, because he didn't believe he shall be dumb? Am I correct? How would such an angel who can make people dumb instantly because you didn't believe what he said? Then one, one spirit will stop him from executing his assignment for 21 days. Serious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't believe that kind of God. I'm not serving that kind of God. And I don't believe when God equips his messenger, anything can ever stop them. I don't believe I don't believe. It's, it's like saying, <laughs> no word that comes from my mouth and return to me void. Did he say so? He must accomplish. So God can send his word through an angel and such an individual must accomplish because it was a word or it's going to be the word passing through a vessel. You can't stop it. There's no devil that can stop that. So this is basically Cyrus. All right. Like I asked, who is talking here? It's Angel Gabriel. I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God. Luke 119, he says, when he was speaking to Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist. Many is among the ministers and the court of God. The courtiers called watchers in our previous study. Came to deliver the message to who? To Daniel. Is that okay? Hey. All right. Praise the Lord. Daniel 4, I mean, Daniel 10, verse 20. I want to show you something here. Knowest thou wherefore I come? In other words, do you know why I have come to you? God was speaking that now, or the angel was speaking, Gabriel was speaking that to Daniel. You are highly favored of God that he has sent me unto you to give you further satisfaction that I was elsewhere employed upon the most important mission and I must speedily return to accomplish it. That's why I said I must go back to the Prince of Gracia. Let me show you what I mean by that. Look at it. Verse 20. Then say he, knows that wherefore I come unto thee and now I will return to fight with the Prince of Patience. What is a fight like? Creating a conviction. Did you understand what I'm trying to say? So that they will respond to the mandate of heaven. That is a fight. So it's not necessarily, you know, okay. To fight with the prince of Asia. To remove all the doubts and misconceptions of Cyrus. And to excite him to do all that God designs him to do for the restoration of my people and the rebuilding of the city and temple of Jerusalem. Nothing less than a supernatural influence through an agent in the mind of Osiris can account for his decree in favor of the Jews. He had no natural, no political intention to do so. And his unwillingness and reluctance to obey the heavenly motion is what is here represented as a fight between him and the angel who came to give him the news. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Of himself, Cyrus was not. He didn't dream about it. He wasn't thinking about it. 
It was not in his mind to set the Jewish people free. To make a decree. I, I want to make you see this. The decrees that they were making were very crucial. Just like I mentioned before, in relation to the decree of Herod, we said everybody must have to pay that in his own community or in his own village. And then that was enough to saddle the axe and begin to carry Mary and Elizabeth, I mean uh, Mary and uh, Joseph, down to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Is that okay? Even so, there has to be a decree from Cyrus for the Jews to be restored, for the temple to be built, and for the supplies to come to be. So you study again Isaiah 45. And you see what he was speaking to him. I opened the gate and no gate is going to stop. I'll give you the treasures of darkness. What was all that for? The treasure of darkness was the money needed to build the temple. Hallelujah. Do you understand? Anytime God said, thank you Lord. Anytime God sets out to do a thing, he provides for that thing to be accomplished. You see, Nehemiah had the same picture when he was to go. People made provision, decrees were made, lumbering, timbers, and everything were made available. Anytime God commissions one to go do this, he makes the provision. He opens the door. So when he talks about the treasures of darkness, he's not talking about money in the covens or in some whatever. No, 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 no. What he's saying, resources were made available to you to accomplish the work of Cyrus. That's what he was saying. Are you following this now? Now, so for that to happen, he has to make the decree. Now, what we're saying is how to get him convinced to make this decree was the fight between Gabriel and Cyrus. Hallelujah. Are you following it? All right. So again, we'll find the prince of Gracia shall come. Now, you see what, what I don't know where I got that again. I think... Um, See there? Okay. Verse 20. Hmm? Alright. They said, In ways thou wherefore I have come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. To fight, like I told you, I'm going to go now to convince him. Because I've been assisted by Michael to create a conviction in his heart to make the decree. And because the king around the empire, once the decree comes from him, everybody will respond. Is that okay? Alright. So, he now said, And when I'm gone for law, the prince of Gracia shall come. In other words, there's a turn around again to the prince of Gracia. So, here we go. Uh, wow. What am I? Okay. The prince of Gracia shall come. This, therefore, is no other person than Alexander the Great, who was to destroy the Persian Empire. Hallelujah. Do you understand? Babylon, Medopatia, Greece, Rome. Do you get the picture there? So what he's saying is, yes, you know, can you see the, the same picture? He said, God was speaking the same thing to Abraham. He said, well, your people shall be in captivity or in, in, in captivity for how many years? 400 years in Babylon. I mean, in Egypt, remember that? After they are going to come out with great substance. And the people that held them in captivity, I'm going to deal with. Can you get the picture there? Okay, so the same thing with Medopatia. What God is saying here, Babylon is gone. Medopatia is now in power. Remember, children of Israel were also in captivity in Babylon. Is that okay? Or no Alright. Here he comes and he says, well, Babylon is gone. Medopatia, 
this is what is going to happen. When Cyrus had been able to set the people free, the empire of Persia will also do what? Come down. I'm going to raise another king, another prince, to topple the empire of Persia. So that's why I said, let me go fight with the prince. He's speaking now to Daniel. So that your, your, your prayers that is already be answered may be executed. Let me go fight by convincing him to you know, get the decrees out. And once that is done and everybody begins to go home, I'm moving to Alexander the Great to set him up again to come and topple the empire of Persia. And then progressively you're going to see the image of Daniel being fulfilled. So there are all the workings that go from behind the scene. So when we talk about the prince of Persia, or the prince of Gracia, we are not dealing with demons, we are dealing with human beings. The house will be inflamed from behind this thing to make specific decrees, basically also for the release of God's people that are in captivity. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. So God is working through kings, God is working through monarchs, if you will, if actually God ordains them to reign in such capacity. That's why I say pray for those in authority, pray for the kings, because it, was, it is God that is actually functioning in that capacity, unknown to you, let it be noted, basically, that even as we are in this country, we, we, we're talking about political situations, we're talking about democracy as it were. But you know, the way it is, as compared to the times of old, where you actually have monarchs in place with authority, you know that even in our own nation here, and as you do at that time, if, if a monarch makes a pronouncement about the soul of an individual, that person can be killed. It was as powerful as that. Hallelujah. So, the decrees of the kings of old were very influential and very powerful. And most of them were actually working towards the accomplishment of God's purpose upon the face of the earth. Because he removes one king and plants another king. Praise the living God. So what am I telling you tonight? The prince of Pesha is not the devil. It was a human being. But we have always believed that the prince of Pesha is a demon. But that is not absolutely true. Praise the Lord.